0: I feel like that's with any career, right? Like Especially when I was a teacher, I would see people who were teaching who obviously didn't like it, who didn't enjoy it, and who would stress the kids out every day. It's like, okay, especially in a job where you're working with children, you should not work in a job with children, especially with children, that you, you're you not happy because then you're just adding stress to these kids' lives and kids don't need extra stress. So I feel like that with everything. Like If you're in a job that you do not like, find something that you like because at a minimum you're making your life better and at a you know as a secondary thing you're making other people's lives better and it's like what's the point of being on this earth if you're just going to drag everybody else down and take yourself with it so my whole philosophy is is like find something you love doing and do it really really well and be passionate about it
1: thanks all for tuning in to Dream Catchers, where we make things happen Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. I've got the pleasure of having Lynn Smargas with me today. Lynn, how are things out in Utah?
0: Hey, Jerome. A little dry, a little smoky, but we're getting some nice weather temperature-wise.
1: That doesn't sound like fun. Are there
0: wildfires again? So we have one small wildfire in Utah, but we are getting smoke apparently from the surrounding wildfires in Oregon and California. And so that commonly happens when there's fires on the West Coast and then the upper level winds just like push them on over to Utah. And so, yeah, I'm looking out and it looks you can't see the visibility is pretty poor right now.
1: Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. It seems like it would burn your eyes and everything. But anyway, sorry. I get distracted when people say things aren't great on the outside. So we do things a little unconventionally here. How can listeners get in contact with you? Because they're going to love this story. I guarantee it.
0: Oh, awesome. So if you want to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on my website, which is www.rightforyou.me And that is spelled writeforyo Dot M-E. And I have a contact form on there. And I also have a button for a complimentary consultation, which you can click and grab a consultation for 15 minutes and we can chat and see if we're a good fit for each other.
1: Guys, hit the link in the show notes. We got to get this content out there. So Lynn, right for me, right for you, right for me, like what's going on here? Why would you have a website called right for you?
0: Well, my specialty is content writing. And the reason why I called it Right for, y- for You is because a lot of what I found before I got into writing is a lot of small business owners were complaining that like they had a writer, but they didn't understand their style or their voice, or they felt like they didn't represent them well. And so I called my business Right For You because my specialty is when I take on a client for content writing, whatever that is, whether that's a blog or a newsletter or a website content or ghostwriting or podcast content, I always interview my client for an hour, no matter how small or how big their project is, because I want to know their vision, their mission statement, like what's their brand, who's their avatar. And I want to really represent their style and voice really well when I write content for them. And so that's why I created the name Right For You, because the content I write is going to be right for you. And when you get it, you're going to love it and you're going to want to show it off.
1: You're playing on words. W R I T E R I G H T. Like you I see what you're doing here. That's clever. I catch up though. I can catch up. So, okay. Why is it important to write in a person's voice versus just giving them whatever blab content that's out there? Like that's an intense investment and not everybody's willing to pay the premium in order to get that type of content, but why is it important for somebody to do that?
0: Well, the reason why it's important to write in someone's voice, as you and I both know Jerome for being multiple business owners, is that that business is your baby and you want to represent it like how you feel that you're going to attract other people that are a good fit for you. And if someone doesn't write in your correct voice and tone and style and to your brand, then first of all, they may not recognize that it's you because the content's going to sound different than your brand. And second of all, you want to attract the people that are a really good fit for you that are not going to be the high maintenance clients that are going to be the ones who are going to value your service and really understand who you are. And in order to do that, you need to have the content that explains who you are, why you do what you do and what your purpose is and how that all wraps into your branding.
1: Okay. All right. So because it's my baby, I think it goes a lot deeper than that though. So this is going to be an interesting uncover or discovery session for me. So before you were writing, what were you doing?
0: I was a full-time teacher in middle school, and I taught almost 200, 13, 14, 15-year-olds every day. I taught them coding, science, and technology.
1: Wait, how do you go from... Left brain to right brain. What what are you doing? Come on. How does one do these things?
0: Yes. And so in between, so before I was a teacher, I also owned two to three businesses. I also owned a business while I was teaching. So I'm a very serial entrepreneur gal myself. And so through all my businesses, I've always written all my content for my blogs and my website content because I just always loved writing. And so when I hit the decade mark with teaching, I got really, really burned out. And I was like, I need to do something different. And I am a big, avid fan of listening to podcasts. And from listening to different podcasts, a lot of quote unquote successful people said, if you want to do what you really love to do, just think about what you would do if money was not an option and just go for it. So I saved up enough money to live off of for six months, left my teaching career and completely just jumped headfirst into the shallow end of the pool, had no contacts whatsoever, but I was like, I'm going to make this work. And it was working really well until COVID hit. <laughs> it's still good. But my thing that I wanted to do originally, which I was focused on, was travel writing. And of course, with COVID, that took a turn for not having a lot of business. And so I lost half my clients in one week in March and um, have been rebuilding my business around other things besides travel ever since. Although I still love travel writing. That is definitely still my favorite topic to write on. Uh,
1: so... Did this turn into, go from a gap year to, I'm going to do this forever?
0: Well, I was planning on doing it forever when I first started about three and a half years ago. And so I have still always been writing. I was just doing, I was planning on writing more travel content than other content, which I was doing initially. I was like 60 travel, 40% everything else. So I just had to flip it where I had everything not travel for a while. So it was definitely a little bit of a transition because- I was used to mostly writing travel, but the whole thing was just, I had to just keep going and put one foot in front of the other and not give up. And that's a really important thing when you have your own business is to just be consistent and keep going, even when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay. So you said you had no contacts. You jumped headfirst into the shallow end of the pool. Who showed up to help you along the way?
0: So one of the groups that I'm in that I was in with a previous business is called BNI. It's called Business Networking International. And so they have different networking groups all over the United States. And so that was a really big help in getting me started because I joined that networking group. And there's a couple others. I joined like the chamber and stuff, but BNI I like because they're really focused on helping you get referrals for your business. And so that was really important to me. So I started out, um, I jumped into BNI first. And that really helped give me my business a good jump start to get connections and networking and finding work when I first started my writing business.
1: So literally, you went to a networking group and said, "Hey, I can write for you," and then that's it—like it's that easy.
0: Well, no, it was not that easy. I am pretty charming, and um, <laughs> I could talk really well, and I love networking with people. I love connecting people with other people, so. I started building those relationships that I needed for networking, for people to trust me. There were also people in the group, like there's a website designer, and then I found a graphic designer and some other people who were complementary to each other. So like the graphic designer doesn't write and I don't do graphics, so we refer clients off of each other. So that's been really helpful as well. Just like going out there and networking and finding key people that are complementary businesses to myself. And just doing that like every week, like getting together with two or three people, finding out what they do, finding out how we can cross-promote network each with each other and how to refer each other business. And so it's not simple. I mean, it is simple in a way. It's like you need to get out there and network, right? But it definitely is time-consuming, but it definitely does pay off for your ROI for your business because then you build this network of people And you want to also keep yourself fresh in their mind. So you want to meet up with them like two or three times a year, let them know, hey, you're here. How can I help you? Like, this is what I do. And so just like consistently pounding the pavement, so to speak, and doing the work to build those relationships and key relationships too, not just networking with everybody, but networking with key people who you believe are going to help you, your business grow and you can help their business grow.
1: So what are some of the traits of somebody who you would consider a key relationship? Like, how do you like when you sit down with them? Because you talk to a lot of people one time and then there's people you talk to a few times and then there's people who you say, hey, you're going to be here for a while. So what are you looking for in those people who you can kind of lock arms with and know that you can grow together?
0: Well, one is I look at how they treat their employees and their contractors cuz that's a big like representation of their character. Another one, which I was actually talking with one of my people my network the other day is how like if you go out to lunch with them, how do they treat the wait staff? Like do they talk down to them? Are they disrespectful? Cuz I don't want to work with somebody who's disrespectful to other people because they're in the service industry. Like I see a lot of that out where I live in Park City cuz there's a lot of people out here who are not respectful to people because they feel like they're below them because they're in the service industry. I was like, no, no, no. I used to be in the service industry. And so just making sure they treat other people respectfully is one big one. Another big one is I look at like, what are my goals for the year and what services I offer? And I look at what services they offer and see that we're complementary. Cause if they do a lot of the same services I do, I probably won't be a good partner for them. But if we have at least 60% or more of our services that are different from each other then that's probably going to be a good partner. Another one is like the trustworthy factor. If I'm talking to them and I get that like red flag feeling of, and my intuition's like, Ooh, don't trust them. I won't do business with them because I have learned to trust my intuition hundred percent. And another thing is too, is like how, like when we're conversing, how are we getting along? Like, is it easy to have a conversation with this person? Because if it's not, most likely they're not going to be a good person to work with because if you can't even have a conversation with them, how are you going to negotiate with them? How are you going to talk about projects? How are you going to work on projects together? Like, are, That's not going to be a good fit for you. So just making sure those essential elements are in place. If all of those are in place, I know that person's most likely going to be a really good fit for us to promote each other and help out with each other's referrals in business.
1: Wow. Okay. I like that. I know the book that I read on the topic is one of my favorite books of 2020 was Sizing People Up. And you hit on about three of the six things that he says are indicators for being able to trust people. So that's amazing. So I want to circle back because you said, you know, basically I lost all my clients when COVID hit. So why don't you just go back and get a teaching job?
0: (laughs) I thought about that. (laughs) Because teaching is super stressful. One of the things I absolutely cannot stand about teaching is I actually have three master's degrees and I remember the moment that I loved teaching and that was I we had me and the other two technology teachers had put together this really, really great, really fun project for kids to do on, they had $3,000 to travel anywhere in the world. They had to bring a person with them and they had to like put together this little presentation on a Microsoft software, which is really fun. And they had to put links on it and engaging and they could work with partners and everything. And at the end, out of the 100 students I had doing it, 12-handed in the project and six of them passed. And so I was like, hmm, I have three master's degrees and I'm being a babysitter. And so I'm never going to do this again. And so that was my like line in the sand. Because with me, I'm into everything either 110% or 0%. But I do always look at all of the angles before I jump into something. I do a lot of research and I think about like, is this what I want to do? Is this going to help me achieve, uh, accomplish or achieve a goal in life? That kind of thing. And so if it's the answer is no, then I don't go, don't. And so the, with teaching, the healthcare benefits are really great. And since I deal with health issues, that was kind of like, oh, do I want to go back? But then the stress from teaching makes all of my health issues so much worse. It really wasn't worth going back. (laughs) Okay, And I totally missed a bullet with COVID. Thank God it was not teaching during COVID because I heard half of the teachers in my school district came down with COVID. And I was like, oh, thank goodness I was not in that situation.
1: I Yuck. That's no fun. So it was more the fear of going back to the thing that you didn't want to do than it was chasing the new thing?
0: It was more of like, I knew I didn't want to go back to teaching. And so I I wanted to make writing work because I really enjoyed writing and I really enjoy working working from home. And this was pre-COVID. And so I knew I wanted to make it work. And so if I want to make something work, I can usually find a workaround angle to get there no matter what it is, pretty much. My incentive was to make my writing business work because A, I didn't want to have to go back to teaching. And B, I really liked being my own boss. And doing something creative for work every day instead of having to create these things for students who weren't doing any of the work anyway. And so it is definitely much more fulfilling to not be a teacher. And I really needed that in my life at this point. And so I wanted to make that whole writing creative component work.
1: So when did you know that the writing was going to work after COVID?
0: You never really know that your business is hundred percent going to work. And so Since I did pick up like a lot of different projects and stuff along the way, I knew I could keep it like sustainable. It wasn't the numbers pre-COVID as far as income, but it was still like sustainable for my lifestyle. I just had to pare down some of the things in my lifestyle pare down expenses, things like that. And I was able to make it work. So a little bit of personal financial shuffling, a little bit of business financial shuffling, and and I was able to be creative enough to make it work. And it started to pick back up and it's like kind of going up and down, but I found out from other, my other friends who are in marketing businesses that they're experiencing the same thing. So it's just the market right now. And the market always, always going to be times where it's better and always going to be times where it's worse. And as an entrepreneur. You just have to know that during the downtimes, you need to figure out how to get through that successfully so that when you're having an uptime, it's like you can take a little bit of a break and sort of not really coast, but if you're having an uptime, you don't have to work as hard to get work coming in. So that's kind of nice.
1: Okay. I'm tracking with you now. So you pivoted, you went from a travel writer to most other things and I think you probably have some specialties now that you get pretty excited about that are not travel related and you have a podcast and you got some other things going on. So what were kind of like three of the smaller challenges as you started to rebuild on the backside?
0: Uh, probably the smaller challenges was just getting former clients to come back for more work. So that was pretty easy because they already knew the quality and caliber of my work. And so they were like, yeah, let's do a blog or let's do something simple. Just have them come back or something simple. That was really easy. Another easy challenge for me was being able to network more because with COVID, one of the nice perks was because I wasn't driving around as many places to meet people. I was able to do that online, which was more a bit more efficient than driving. Now, of course, it's not the same as meeting in person, but I still did get more networking time in, which was nice. So I got to be at home and meet more people that I normally wouldn't because of my schedule was too busy. And so that was really great. I got to make more connections. And another easy challenge was just finding more platforms to be on and like getting on more podcasts and being interviewed and having more people to like finding the time to have figure out and vet more people to come on my podcast as well. So those were three of the more easier challenges that I had during the past couple of years for sure.
1: Got it, got it, got it, got it. So what's been your worst fear in this process so far?
0: My worst fear, definitely, in this whole entire process is just like one day waking up and having no work at all, which I know is never going to happen because we're always our own worst enemies, right? We always have this like fear in our head that's never really going to happen. Well, it could happen, obviously, but the chances of it happening with me and my work ethic are probably slim and none. But that's like my biggest fear is just like wake up one day and be like, I have no clients. (laughs)
1: So is it just working that makes you overcome that? Or like, how are you breaking through that? Because that's kind of the life of the entrepreneur until they hire a salesperson. And even if you hire a salesperson, still the buck stops with you. So how are you overcoming that?
0: So how I'm overcoming that is the what I love about my work is giving people something that they're really excited to show off. And so how I overcome that is just looking for more clients that I know that like my value and content of work is going to do that for them. And so I know there, I know more clients are out there that are really like, I want good content. I want like quality work content. And I want to like, just looking to build more relationships with more new clients is kind of how I overcome that. Just the adventure of networking and meeting more people and building those relationships is one of my favorite things to do. And so I know I can always have that to look forward to. And so that's always an exciting part of my day when I get to do an interview or a network or meet other people who are in, especially in the advertising circle or other people who are doing similar things to what I'm doing or other creatives in the podcasting industry.
1: Wow. Okay. So the work is doing the business development, client calls, discovery calls, looking for synergistic partnerships. And those things, even though they don't always transfer into work right away, eventually they fill the pipeline. And the stuff that you've done in the past allows you to have the work that you have today so that the cycle keeps going, even if there's some ebbs and flows. And so that's really interesting because I think most people who are scared to leave whatever their steady paycheck is don't do so because they fear that one day they may wake up and not have any clients or they don't even know how to get clients to start with. And so that part's really interesting for me. Do you remember your first client and how you found them?
0: Oh my gosh, yes. So for my writing content, my first client was somebody from BNI and he has a sign design business and he had this very old outdated website and he needed somebody to write content for him and so he was my first client. I wrote three website pages of content. I was totally thrilled to write these three pages for him. They're probably pretty horrible because it was the first <laughs> the first client I had the first work I did on website content. But I was thrilled. I was thrilled to have that first client. And he still is like, we still go back and forth. Like I have him do signs for me and he does content for me. Yeah, he does signs for me. And I do content for him. But, but yeah, that is always thrilling when you get that first client because you're like, yes, I've made it as a business, a new, my new business.
1: So now you had the first, who's been the most rewarding client? When did you like, know, like you just hit it out the park and maybe the client got some insane results as a result of the work that you did?
0: To So far, my most favorite client, well, I hope my other clients aren't listening to this interview. <laughs> One of my most favorite clients I'll say is her name is Steph and she's actually right here in Salt Lake near where I live. She's 20 minutes from me. And she found me on Fiverr. And the reason why she is one of my most favorite content clients is like when I built my first her first content for her. So I've done website content and podcast show notes for her, for all of her podcasts. And so the reason why she, I picked her, she was the first one to come to mind was like when, when I did like, I think I did five or six pages of website content. She was like over the moon. She like sent me a voice message. you like, Lynn, I love this work. Like, this is exactly what I wanted to say. Like, this is exactly like what we wanted, the message we wanted to project out. And so she was just so thrilled and it made me feel so good about the work that I did for her. So she has definitely been one of my favorite clients. Another one of my favorite clients is actually there's a couple of podcast production companies I work for that I write show notes for. So that's been really good too, because they're like, oh my gosh, thanks for getting me the work on time. Because apparently a thing with some writers is that they promise a certain date and they don't deliver by that date similar to construction People that I've had experience with in Florida. So, anywho, it's just really rewarding when those customers who are, especially if they're retainer clients, see the value in I'm getting them work on time, and also with their retainer client, sometimes they'll have last minute stuff that I do that I don't charge them a late fee because they are retainer clients. And so, just those people who are always very appreciative and value my work are my favorite clients because I put a lot of heart and soul into my content I write for other people to make sure it's really good for them. And so when they, and I don't ever expect like reciprocation for them to say, oh my gosh, your work is awesome. But when they do, that's just really, really thrilling for me.
1: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And so we go from the peak to the valley on this journey. Has there been a rock bottom?
0: Probably several. (laughs) One of them was definitely that week where I lost half my clients. That was like because like one client called and then the next day, three clients called, and I was just like, oh, this is so not good. And of course, like everyone else, I was like, oh, COVID's okay, going to go away in a couple months. I'll get these clients back. Didn't happen. Another one was, I can't remember which month it was, but it was like my month I had the lowest income out in the three and a half years I've done my business. That was definitely another valley. Another valley was when I was trying to launch a new part of my content business, which is called Content Concierge. And I'm just having the worst time finding reliable people that will say, that says, hey, I'll have these articles written for you by X due date. And they haven't even started on them and it's three weeks later. And so that's just been like, I'm trying to grow and expand my business, but it's really hard because I can't find reliable people who want to work right now. And so, which is apparently a common thing other entrepreneurs are having as well. So those are probably three of the valleys I have experienced in my entire time content writing.
1: What's up, Tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Was there a point when everything was on the line? Just like, if something doesn't happen, then I'm out?
0: That's a hard one for me because I'm really stubborn. (laughs) So if I want to make something work, I will most like I will find a way to work. unless it's like the universe is telling me in rapid proportion succession in the same week, like you shouldn't be doing this, then I'll pass on it. But unless the universe is like knocking hard at my door, saying,, oh, you need to go in a different direction, I'll stick to it. I'll stick to it as long as I feel like I'm getting something out of it and my clients are still benefiting. Now, when it comes to that point where my clients aren't benefiting and I'm not getting anything out of it, then I would definitely consider a career change. But I feel like that's with any career, right? Like, especially when I was a teacher, I would see people who were teaching who obviously didn't like it, who didn't enjoy it, and who would stress the kids out every day. It's like, okay, especially in a job where you're working with children, you should not work in a job with children, especially with children, that you're not happy because then you're just adding stress to these kids' lives and kids don't need extra stress. So I feel like that with everything. Like, if you're in a job that you do not like, find something that you like because at a minimum, you're making your life better. And at a you know, as a secondary thing, you're making other people's lives better. And it's like, what's the point of being on this earth if you're just going to drag everybody else down and take yourself with it? So my whole philosophy is, is like, find something you love doing and do it really, really well and be passionate about it.
1: I can tell you the thing that I've enjoyed most about you is just your energy. Like You're super excited and enthusiastic about what you're doing. And that just goes so far, especially if you're talented, right? Because you can just channel that and pour in and make sure that the person that you're working with gets a quality product that's got a bunch of love baked in it. I think love helps everything be better. So the fourth level of the red pill, we've been through the bottom three, right, is health. And so what have you found over the past year or so that had the biggest impact on your physical health or mental, if you want to go there?
0: Oh, yeah. So for my physical health, the biggest impact that I've experienced was recently a couple months ago, I found out I had a secondary digestive infection from my celiac disease and I had to go on a basically no sugar, no dairy, no starch diet. And oh my gosh, my body has felt so much better since then because apparently I was not doing a lot of sugar, but the little bit of sugar I was doing was completely affecting my autoimmune condition. So getting off of that has made me feel so much better. Emotionally wise, I have a history of trauma as a child because I grew up in a very abusive household. So I found a, it was called a somatic healer. If you don't know what a somatic healer is, you want to look up scottclover.com. And so I've been working with Scott Clover and like I was on the road to flipping my mindset and doing something different, but with Scott's help, which he's helped me really get a lot of emotional roadblocks out of the way, which has been super helpful for me in my, just like in my daily life in the way I think. And also in the way I do business with people too, it's been a much more positive experience since I've been working with him. So he's really been great with helping me get like emotional roadblocks that like you have since you're a little kid and you don't realize, cause you just keep repeating them over and over again. Right. They're like subconscious at this point as an adult. And so he helped me go in and find a lot of those emotional roadblocks that started out as a little kid with trauma and pulling those out of my way, helped me pull those out of my way so I can move on with a more productive, a more better, like a more healthier mindset in life.
1: Now that's intriguing. Okay. So don't particularly care what the roadblock is, but what's the technique for removing it?
0: Okay. So Scott is this incredible intuitive person. And so when you get on the phone with him, because like he just does all of his work remote, he literally can see energy. And so he can tell you like, oh, does your back hurt? Or do you have this pain in your leg? Or are you having this like tension in your neck or whatever? And usually like, I don't recognize it until he says something. I'm like, oh yeah, I am. Because it's one of those things it's like you've had for so long, you just ignore it. And so- then we go from there and he's like, okay, what color does it look like? How, what does it feel like? What's its texture? And so we talk about what it looks like, what it feels like, what it like, what my experience is with whatever that pain is. And then we talk through that. And then he'll say, I feel like this is from blah, blah, blah. Like he doesn't know a specific instance, but he can attach it to a feeling. And then we talk about those feelings and we move through that. And so, and then sometimes he'll give me a practice to do to help reinforce that. Sometimes not depending on what it is. But he's been super helpful because all of those things he's worked with me, not only has helped me give me like mental clarity and emotional clarity and focus, but it's also been helping me physically because a lot of those emotional trauma things will reside somewhere physically in your body. And so it also has a physical barrier component to it that is released when you release all those emotional components that are just holding you back.
1: So- well, talking through it and then some type of practice, maybe a meditative practice or affirmation or something to pull it out. And then you're able to move to the next space, the next level. Right.
0: Yep. And then we just keep picking off things as we go along. So, like every week when I talk to him, he's like, okay, where are you feeling, whatever in your body? And then we start talking about it. And then. I go from there. And a lot of times with me, with my trauma, it's like a affirmation to like flip around whatever I was thinking about before in a more positive way so that I can like have this new habit reaffirmed over time. And that of course takes practice. And so it is a lot of work to do all of this, but you know, as far as I know, I'm only here on this earth once, so I'm going to make the best of it.
1: (laughs) Outstanding. Okay. And so you move into the next space, you start After you get through the health stuff, you you start to move into prosperity. And so what's been the reward for kind of navigating the ebbs and flows or the peaks and the valleys of entrepreneurship?
0: Well, for me, because I listen to and write about a lot of podcasts, it's been like I've made it through COVID and there's been businesses who have completely failed. And I know they're all for different reasons. Like I understand that like restaurants got hit super hard and things like that. But for me, like my reward personally is like, even though my business was really, really like got cut in half as far as financial income, I was still able to make everything work to get to this point. So for me, that's been my reward is like, I was able to like, I was able to pivot enough to keep going in my business.
1: Okay. (laughs) So it's interesting, like, as I listened to to your framework your narrative for you it's really just been about getting through right continuing to be able to stay on the path continuing to make the journey and where is the destination like where's the arrival where will you be able to smile and say yeah because I feel like you don't do a bunch of that
0: So that is my plan with my travel membership that I have coming up is I want to build a membership so that I have that consistent income that I don't have to constantly create new pieces for. And so once I get, I'm trying to work on a plan on creating a consistent membership or something that creates more passive income so that I don't have to work so hard on creating all new stuff all the time. Obviously my content, I always have to create new. But as far as the income piece goes, for as a writer, it's way better to have a membership that's scalable with people who are paying your membership than to like always be chasing after new clients with new projects, which is great. And I love doing that. And I know I will have to to some extent, but I would like more of my income to be the passive income with is like a membership or something else where people are just paying a monthly fee to be in a program that I've created.
1: So tell us more about the program. We're beta testing it now. So people are signing up. Is it for the gluten-free stuff or what, what is it going to be based on?
0: So the membership that I started developing a few months ago is called Content Concierge. And what it's about is that I find a lot of people that are travel professionals, they need content and they want content, but they are usually, small business owners usually not writers and they don't understand digital marketing basics. So- What my program does is that it provides for like one low monthly membership fee. People can join content concierge and then they will have a variety of articles to pull down and then they can personalize it, make it their own. They can use those articles for newsletters, blog posts, website content, whatever they want to use it for, but not have to pay per piece. So that's the advantage of content concierge over just hiring a writer for your travel stuff is that. You have new, fresh content every month you can use, but you don't have to pay per piece. And so, and also there's some graphics too that I've dissolved for that too. And so, and then the second phase of that is going to be, we're going to bring in some influencers and podcasters that do travel so that it's going to be a community as well as a content platform just to get content, travel content on for travel professionals.
1: Huh. So. The biggest fear for the person that joins is, hey, somebody else has the exact same content on their site or same social media post. So is there an answer for that or they just have to deal with it because they're not paying for a la carte content?
0: No. So one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to set up like a welcome and training video. So one of the things I always recommend to people, especially because this is content that anybody can use, is to take it and personalize it. So even though it's still doing some writing, they don't have to come up with the idea and the content. And I find that's the two biggest challenges for all of my clients is coming up A, with the ideas and then B, actually just sitting down to write the content. So if the content's already written out and you just need to put in like your links and your introductory paragraph and, a, and your call to action at the end, then that saves people a lot of time and money for creating content. And then you just need to post it. And so one of the in the training videos I'm going to show people how to take the content and personalize it and change it up and tweak it differently so that they can like put their experience in along with the content so that they can use it as a base for their content and still create their own personalized content but use the content concierge information to like weave it into what they're already doing so they will have to spend way 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 less time creating the content itself
1: Got it. So you're giving them base content or prompts and then allowing them to, I like it. I think that's, it's so smart because trying to create something from nothing is really difficult. And then you got to figure out what the points are and the structure. But if you can add or supplement, then you're so much further ahead. And the amount of editing necessary is minimal. Huh. I think that's a lot of time savings actually.
0: Yeah and cuz I was recently reading some articles saying that people spend between like if you're doing content every week you're spending between 8 and 10 hours a week just writing content. And so if you can take 8 hours a week off your plate, that's a whole work day basically that you're getting back and not having to write the content. So that is a huge time saver for people and I will also offer the service like if they want me to like personalize it for them, we can do that for like an additional a la carte fee, but the option for them to just personalize it themselves is always there. And it's super easy to take like little snippets of different articles to use as you know in different posts and things like that. So, so yeah, it's basically like taking the two hardest jobs of writing off of people's plates, which is coming up with the idea and actually writing the content.
1: <laughs> I think proofreading is the hardest part, but that's just <laughs> <me>. <laughs> everybody okay.
0: has their pain point with writing. It's it's crazy. It's it's funny when I talk to people. How business owners are just like this. Is, oh, I can't ever come up with ideas, or like I never come down to sit down, or I just hate writing, or whatever it is. Is there's there's I never realized how much people don't like writing until I became a writer.
1: <laughs> writing, public speaking, all of the things. Right. The thing with writing is, you know, the content goes, and you lose absolute and complete control of it once it's out there, and people are judging you based on what's on the page and your level of intelligence, among other things. And so it's really important. For written communication, that you show up well. So that's why people are worried about it. And they might be like me, and their English teacher wasn't very nice to them. So,
0: <laughs> oh, that's horrible. I always hate to hear stories about teachers not being nice to kids because I'm like, really? Like, that's just like, that's the one thing you need to do as a teacher. And I know that from experience is like, at a minimum, be nice to your kids, right? Like, that's just horrible when teachers pick on certain individuals. And I, I've seen it happen so many times. And it's just, it's unfortunate reality in teaching for sure.
1: Yeah, I probably deserve some of it. I was being lazy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they knew that there was more in me and they were trying to pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> so the sixth and final level of the red pill is significance. And so what made you want to solve this problem for content creators?
0: It's mainly extremely selfish. It's because I love writing. <laughs> I just love writing pretty much no matter what it is, I would love to write about it. I definitely will not write for anybody that like promotes like drug or alcohol. I mean, I drink, but like somebody that's like promoting like negative habits or negative thinking, I won't write for that. I won't write for anybody that does anything as far as things that are just like negative towards people, whether that's a gender, whether that's transgender, whether that's LGBTQ or the color of your skin, like I will not write for anybody that is organizing or promoting any of that type of material. But anything else is game on. Like I've written for flooring companies. My specialty areas are health, wellness, travel, and education and technology. So those are my specialty areas that I most love writing in. But I've written for podcasts on finances. I've written for podcasts on real estate. I've written for podcasts on dentistry, on like just self-improvement, on like you name it. And I've probably written something on it.
1: (laughs) Wow. And so... I didn't connect the dots until now, so I think this will be interesting. You spend time interviewing people, and then it's almost as if you're becoming an actor, right? And writing in their voice and creating them, and then giving to them and say, hey, how do you sound? And that's really interesting because the biggest part of the funnel, the top of funnel for most people is going to be whatever content is created. Whatever, especially from a real estate standpoint, thought leadership is the game. And so, if somebody's able to put their content out there and the person read it or watch it or listen to it or whatever it is, and then they come to a one on one call with them, because it's usually the bottom of the funnel, right? The last step before there's a transaction, and there's a disconnect, well, they don't convert. And so the ability to be able to get your voice out there and to get that eight to 10 hours a week that you're talking about back is something that's super important for anybody who's actually an operator in the business and not just a figurehead or empty suit or whatever you want to put out there is basically an actor or spokesperson for the brand. And so this is really interesting because I think It's really easy to go on a gig site and pick somebody to write something and then just throw it up. But you're creating disconnects within your funnel. And those disconnects within your funnel will drop your conversion rate to a place where it's highly likely that people are going to be really disappointed. And the don't trust sense goes up and people start asking questions and then there's like ah oh, we don't know what to do with them. So I I, I really like your approach. It's got to be challenging for you though, because you end up in all these different personalities and all these different industries. How do you stay
0: sane? <laughs> That's a funny question. And you know what? I didn't think about this until you just said something. But one of the things that I do when I write for my retainer clients, and one of the reasons why I interview people on my consult is when I'm writing their content, I'm actually listening to them speak it in their voice as I'm writing it. So I'm like, if that doesn't sound like Emily, or if that doesn't sound like Stephanie, or if that doesn't sound like the person I'm writing for, like, and I'm saying it in their voice, like it really clicks with me quickly, pretty quickly. And I'll be like, oh, okay, no, that doesn't sound like their voice because I'm like reading it in their voice in my head as I'm writing it. And so I don't know, for me, it's just kind of fun. It's like being able to like, I always said like one of my favorite Holidays is Halloween because I get to be an adult, but I get to be somebody else. (laughs) So I like that. And I've always thought about getting into acting just for fun, like in a local theater, because I love like going on and doing that kind of role play thing. And I think that does actually really help me with my writing, because if I didn't love role play and I wasn't so creative, it would definitely be a lot harder for me to write in other people's voice.
1: Wow. That's true talent, Lynn. Thank you so (laughs) much for living out. Your dream, right? I mean, that's what so few people are willing to do. And it's interesting that, you know, one of the things that I I encourage people to do is take their mask off. And so you're authentically you when you show up. But for you to be able to put the mask on and then be this person to write the things out and create the content for them to take their message to the masses is amazing. Right. I don't know another way to place it because a lot of times people are putting on their masks so that they can be liked by other people. And you're saying, no, be you. And I'm going to help you be you. So more people can find you. I don't know if anybody else is doing that. So oh, I,
0: thank you. I appreciate that. No, I think I'm a little overwhelming for a lot of people and that's okay. Cause it's me. Like, I grew up in South Philly, so I can be very loud. And and I'm Italian. I have Italian in my background, so I can be really loud. But I mean, it's just me. like This is who I am. And so I'm not afraid to show people who I am. I know my personality is not for everybody. But when I do connect with people, I connect pretty tightly with people because it's usually people who understand like where I'm coming from or what I'm doing or that I really, really truly want to help them build their business. I'm not just in it just for the money. And so for me, helping people building their business in their own voice is just really important because I know how important it is to me, for me building my business with my content. And so I put that heart and soul into the content I make for other people. It's
1: very clear. So we're down to the final four. You ready?
0: Woo-hoo! Absolutely. Bring it on.
1: <laughs> Lynn, what are you most grateful for?
0: In business or just in life in general? You can pick. Oh, okay. That's a hard one. Most grateful for. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I come off of the top of my head. Um, one is my real estate person in Oregon. Um, another one is my daughter because she's just she she comes up with the craziest things sometimes. My youngest is 21. Um, another thing that I'm grateful for is definitely my superpower to come up with ideas because that has helped me so much with so many of my clients. Another thing I'm grateful for is like just to be in, live in a country, like I can choose to do what I want as a female because there's plenty of countries out there where you can't even go to school if you're a female or you can't have certain jobs because you're a female. So that's another thing that I'm grateful for. I mean, there's just, there's so many things I can think of off the top of my head, but those are probably the first few that I think of when you mentioned it.
1: Awesome. What dream are you most focused on catching next?
0: Oh, that's a hard one. I was actually thinking about that this morning and I was about to break open my journal when I realized I had to come on your show, um, but, but I'm still going to do it. I have two basically different businesses, but they collaborate in a lot of the same way. So one of my two businesses, the other one besides Right For You, I have is Travel Gluten-Free. And so on that platform, I talk about gluten-free lifestyle and obviously how to travel safely if you're gluten-free, especially if you're celiac like, like I am, because you get sick for days if you get accidentally get cross-contaminated. So I have a book on that platform called The Guide to Traveling Gluten-Free. And then I have my content platform on Write for You. So I'm trying to decide right now, I'm actually at a crossroads on like which one I need to really push next. And so I haven't quite figured that out yet because I have quite a few things up in the air, but I'm looking on. And my best way I find about doing that is just writing it down in my journal and like keep writing, writing, writing until I can't think of anything else and then go back and look at it.
1: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. What gift are you giving the world?
0: Besides my charming personality, let me think. <laughs> I think probably the gift I give the world the most is just, I try to make somebody smile every day. If that's holding a door open for them, or if that's saying hello to them as I'm walking on a trail, or if that's complimenting them on a shirt that they're wearing, I think that is definitely my biggest gift that I feel like no matter how crappy my day is going or how badly I'm feeling from like my autoimmune or whatever, I can always make someone else smile.
1: That's so interesting. You know, smiles are so contagious. You know, and I'm running in the morning and I see somebody struggling and mm," grimacing and you smile at them and they smile back. Doesn't matter how bad it is. Even if they're cursing at you for smiling at them, they always smile back. I I love that. And it's free. It doesn't cost anything.
0: Exactly. Smiles and hugs are free.
1: (laughs) That's outstanding. So, Lynn, again, thank you so much for just being proof that dreams should and can be real. You've lived your life in a manner that as long as you stay persistent and consistent, you know that the outcome is imminent. And that outcome is always, you know, that you'll continue to go down the path of improving the lives of other people. Because I think the significance piece is what we're all chasing. Regardless of how well off we are and what we need, we want to be meaningful in someone else's life, right? That's the thing that actually makes us immortal. And so again, just thank you so much for being that example. A final question, what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from the episode?
0: Well, that's a really hard one. I've never asked, oh my gosh. Okay, so for me, the one thing I would love listeners to take away from the episode is, well, it's not really a takeaway. It's more of a call to action. So should we do the call to action or should we just like, I guess a general takeaway would be The thing I want listeners to take away from this is if you want to have really good connections with people, you need to be authentic in your voice. That's definitely the takeaway I want people to know. Like you can sell things and be authentic in your voice. You can promote a product and be authentic in your voice, but you have to really believe in what you're doing because if you don't believe in what you're doing, you'll never sound authentic. Wow.
1: You'll never sound authentic if you don't actually believe in it. So why do so many people, I know I said it was the last question, but I can't help but ask, why do so many people feel like they can sell something that they don't actually believe in?
0: From my experience, when I've talked to people, I feel like people think like, oh, this product's going to sell itself, quote unquote, right? Like it's, it's just such a good product. It's just going to fly off the shelves. And that can be true sometimes. Like you can have such an amazing product that people just want to buy it no matter what. But a lot of times what people, why people buy stuff is obviously they need to have a practical use for it, but that's not even all the time. Most times people will buy things because they are emotionally attached to what you're selling because either A, you're super enthusiastic about it. And people are like, well, if that person's not enthusiastic, this has got to be a great product. Or B, they can tell like, by the way you're talking about it, that it really is going to work. And it's, it's not just a like, you know, used car salesman kind of ad. And so just believing in your product and believing in yourself really helps. But I think a lot of people are motivated to just sell products just to make money. You can usually, not all the time, but you, with most people, you can usually tell when they are trying to sell it, if they really believe in the product or if they're just trying to sell it just to make money. I say, although we're all trying to make money, that's completely fine. Like making more money is great, but like, I don't feel like people should be selling a product they don't believe in, or that is obviously like not a real product. (laughs)
1: I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from the lady herself, Lynn. You better believe in your product. Stop just trying to sell stuff to make money. It doesn't actually work long term. Until the next time, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.